0: In December 2013, the Federal Circuit issued a landmark decision that impacts how patent holders can attest infringement at the ITC. In Suprema versus ITC, the Federal Circuit took on issues of induced infringement, direct infringement, and method claims for imported products. The court's decision addressed important factors for claims of induced infringement. Finnegan attorney Elizabeth Niemeyer joins us now to discuss this case. Elizabeth, can you start off with a brief overview of the
1: case? Sure, I'd be glad to. The investigation was a 720 investigation in which CrossMatch sued two companies, Suprema and Menelix, for violation of Section 337. They asserted infringement of three different patents, one of which was a method patent or only included method claims, and the other two were apparatus patents. The one that's important for our purposes is the method patent. Suprema makes biometric scanners, which are imported into the United States. Mendelix loads its own software onto those scanners and then would sell the scanners onto a third party. The basis for the allegation of the method claim was induced infringement. Suprema did not directly infringe the patent because the software was not loaded onto it, but Mendelix loaded the software and performed the method, so Metalix was found to infringe the patent. Under Federal Circuit precedent, a method claim is only infringed if the method is performed in the United States. So there was no direct infringement of the method claim until the products were actually in the United States.
0: Elizabeth, what was the most important issue in this case?
1: The issue here was CrossMatch accused Suprema of what they called induced infringement. And let me give a little background on infringement. There are three bases for finding infringement of a patent. One is direct infringement, one is induced infringement, and the other is contributory infringement. And they're under different subcategories of the statutory provision, Section 271. There was no direct infringement by Suprema, again, because they didn't perform the method. It was Menelux who performed the method. Suprema agreed that there was no contributory infringement because the scanners themselves had substantial non-infringing uses. So it was only the scanner in combination with the software and then performing the method when the infringement occurred. Now we have to go back to the governing ITC statute, which says that it's a violation to import, sell for importation or sell after importation, products that infringe a valid enforceable patent. And that's a, a summary of the statute.
0: And what did the federal circuit do?
1: What the federal circuit did is they looked at the statute and found that the infringement has to be tied to the moment of importation. Because a method claim cannot be infringed until the method is performed, there is no infringement until after importation. Under the statute, and this is Section 271, Subsection B, whoever actively induces infringement of a patent shall be liable as an infringer. So the induced infringement does not happen until the direct infringement occurs which means there can be no induced infringement until the moment of infringement which particularly with a method claim can't happen until everything has been performed in the United States which is after importation and under the commission's reading of or sorry the federal circuit's reading of the commission statute the infringement has to occur at the time of importation But if it's a method claim, it doesn't occur after importation.
0: Elizabeth, what was the finding of the court in this case?
1: They found there cannot be a violation of the statute by a method claim through allegations of induced infringement because the statute doesn't permit that. There was a lengthy dissent, which I won't go into, but what the majority held is that the infringement is measured as of the time of importation. Another factor that went into it that I think is worth mentioning is the fact that given that the commission's remedial powers extend to the ability to exclude infringing articles, that was, I think, part of the Federal Circuit's consideration in measuring it at the time of importation. But they also looked really directly at the statute and determined that infringement has to be at the time of importation.
0: What must a complainant now do regarding infringement in the wake of this decision?
1: One thing that a complainant needs to do is, before bringing a case to the ITC under the current precedent, is take a look at the asserted claims and see if any of them are method claims. If they're method claims and the allegation is going to be one of induced infringement, the complainant quite likely wants to reconsider and not assert those claims. The complainant should also look at any allegations of induced infringement, see how they fit under this decision, and see if if it's worth proceeding. An ITC investigation can be very... Costly, time-consuming, and it's really best going forward with your strongest case. And I, I think this does help a complainant to have a better sense of what cases are worth bringing at the ITC, where it's more likely to get the remedy it wants.
0: What are the benefits and drawbacks of this decision for complainants and respondents as we move forward?
1: Parties might not recognize this as a, a benefit to complainant, um, but one thing it really does is it gives complainants greater certainty. When bringing a case at the ITC, which ones are are better to bring and which ones are better not to bring? If a complainant is considering bringing method claims based on this decision, they'd be better off probably reviewing their portfolio and seeing if there might be something that wouldn't perhaps run into the ruling in Suprema. From respondents' perspective, active, certainly if they are being accused of induced infringement, this gives them some very good arguments that they should not be held in violation of Section 337. Now, part of the drawbacks and one of the things that the Federal Circuit specifically did not rule on were the issues of Suprema and and Menelix's direct infringement, whether that was valid and whether Suprema actually induced infringement. So these issues are still ripe for district court proceedings. So parties should keep that in mind because it's not as if there's no jurisdiction in the district court necessarily based on this, but it does impact how they might want to proceed.
0: Finally, Elizabeth, why was this case so significant for the ITC last year?
1: The real significance is the fact that the commission was found not to have jurisdiction to issue a remedy based on induced infringement of a method claim. And one of the things that you'll see in the dissent is a long list of cases where there had at least been allegations of induced infringement. And those are all called into question. And there were previous cases where there had been induced infringement claims and violations found. And sort of the way that the law had been practiced, and this was, I believe, a departure for what most people had understood was simply the law of the land.
0: Our guest has been Elizabeth Niemeyer, a partner at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.